All right, today, freedom and the good life, according to God's word. Now, human freedom is a very special thing. We have freedom to be alive, and we have freedom of association, and we have freedom of belief. And freedom probably most times is taken for granted. For example, today, freedom to come to church. We don't even think about it. We just come to church. We don't have any threats or harm. We just walk into church. We have freedom to travel. We have freedom to do mission work. We have freedom to receive an education. We have freedom to work. Freedom to own our own home if we so choose. We have freedom of speech where we have the right to state our own opinion and ideas without being stopped or punished. But what does it mean? Let's just pray and commit this message to the Lord. Father, I just thank you that You've given me this uh, honour to share your word this morning. I ask for your anointing and your blessing upon it. I pray that ears will be open and hearts will be open to freely receive this message, Lord, and take it to heart and to be able to apply it to our lives, Lord, so that we can live a life that's full of goodness and happiness. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So freedom, what does it mean? Well, most people would answer, it means doing what you want. That's a common response. And it equates freedom with satisfaction. But throughout history, there have been many different notions of freedom. For the ancients, it meant not being a slave. For the romantic thinker, it meant the expression of authentic emotion. And for the enlightened person in the 18th century, it meant living according to reason. But for Christians, it has always meant living according to the precepts of Jesus. And this has not changed. The Bible has much to say about freedom. You could fill several books about what God has said about freedom. But what kind of freedom is the Bible talking about? And what should we as believers do with our freedom according to God's word? Right through the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, freedom is an important message. Let's start at the Old Testament. Where does freedom come from, according to God's word? According to God's word, freedom came from God. He freely gave us free choice. When he created Adam and Eve, 
He gave them free choice. Firstly, let's start at Genesis 2.15. And it says this. God put Adam in the garden to work and care for it. That was the first thing he did. Then we go on to to Genesis 2.16-17. Then God commanded man, you are free to eat any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will certainly die. And then Genesis 2.25. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Then we get to Genesis 3 and it all goes downhill. We find God in the garden and he calls to man. He says, where are you? And man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Here we have fear, pain and shame. Freedom was no longer man's. As a result, because of Adam and Eve sinning, God threw them out of the garden and Adam and Eve had to toil the soil. People might think that it's harsh, but God, we know, had a plan. For us, we we can have fear that paralyzes us. We can have pains, not just physical pains, but emotional pains where we get brought down. And we can have shameful thoughts who distort who God is and who we are in God. But that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to experience the good life. And how we do that is about recognising and understanding what God's word says about freedom. God's answer to the loss of freedom has always been Jesus. Jesus came to set us free from death, sin and anything else that would enslave us. He came to set us free from fear, pain, and shame. Now, when Jesus began his short ministry on earth, he announced that he was the one. He went into the synagogue one day, opened up a scroll and read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus sat back down and announced, today this scripture has been fulfilled. Jesus clearly states here that he came to bring freedom, 
Freedom to those who are in captivity. Freedom to those who are oppressed. And the good news is that Jesus gave us keys to get out of those cages. And the keys that he gave us are faith, hope and love. When we focus our lives on these faith, hope and love, it will bring freedom and the good life according to God's word. So let's look at these three. Firstly, faith. Faith and hope are closely related. Faith is confidence or trust in a personal thing or a belief not based on proof. Hope, hope is an optimistic attitude. Faith says it is so now. Hope says in the future it can happen. We need to have faith. We need to have faith in the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross. I like what Catherine Doherty said about faith. Faith brings into our lives. I'm going to come around this way. (laughs) Freedom, such love, such peace and such joy that there are no words in any language that can explain it. You have to have it in order to know it. You have to experience it in order to understand it. Faith liberates. It liberates love and hope. If I am free to love and free to hope, what more do I want to life? Faith in Christ is our cornerstone. It's the foundation that w- what builds the rest of our journey. And the value of faith cannot be disputed. Without it, there would be no Christianity. Without faith, we couldn't come to Christ or walk in obedience to him. Faith is what motivates us to move forward, even when the odds are against us. Faith is closely related to hope. Now, you just have to turn on the TV and see the news. And there's very little hope. There's no hope for the planet. There's no hope for kids or families struggling. There's no hope for refugees. And sometimes they say really fearful things. And they use words like extinction. How is your hope? It's an important key. Does, it, does your hope bounce you back after being hit? Does it cause you to doubt when you lose hope in a situation? God knows that we all struggle with finding and holding on to hope. When you are facing tests of faith, even the strongest Christians can find it a challenge to find hope. 
So this morning, I just want to read a few passages from the Bible that talk about hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I thank God that when I'm lacking hope, that God can give me hope. Another verse, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It's hope. Hope in Jesus, not hope in the world. The world is fearful and there's certainly no hope. Why? Because it's not centred on Christ. Our hope should be centred on Christ and that brings freedom. Hope is a key to the good life. Jesus is our hope. Psalm 147, 11, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Hope in what? What are they hoping? His steadfast love. Whose love? Jesus' love. Not the world's love. Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy. But the expectation of the wicked will perish. Hope of who? Hope of the righteous. The righteous. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you're righteous. What does it bring? Come on, what does it bring? It brings joy. It brings joy. Because of Christ... Because he was what he's done for you, you are not without hope. There is always hope in Jesus. And lastly, Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love... God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love that verse. Hope does not bring shame. Why? Because of God's love. For no other reason but God's love. Our third key, love. The Bible states that love is greater than both faith and hope. We couldn't live our lives without faith and hope. We can't know God, God's love, without hope. We would not endure in our faith. But in spite of the importance of faith and hope, love is even more crucial. Why is love the greatest? 
Because without love, the Bible teaches there can be no redemption. In Scripture, we learn that God is love. And that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. That was a supreme act of sacrificial love. Love is what motivated God to send his son Jesus. Love is the virtue upon all Christian faith and hope. For the believer, for you and I, the foundation for every good thing, love is the foundation for every good thing in our lives. Why is it important to have these three keys, faith, hope and love? Because the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that they will last forever. And because they will last forever, then they are the things that we should pursue in our life. They will help us to have a good life. And if those keys of faith, hope and love give us freedom from pain, fear and shame, then we are free to do. We are freed from but we are also free to do. My faith and hope, and especially God's love that has been poured out into my heart, then I am free to give to God. See, we're not just free from something. We are also freed for something. We are free to give. Proverbs 11.24, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. See, the way of the world today is about loving your possessions, your money, your time, to store them up, to keep them from others. Now, if we truly want to follow Christ, then God sets us free. Not to love our possessions. We are free to give. Now, this proverb also uses, that the phrase that he uses, it grows all the richer. It's not saying that if you give money, you're going to, you know, more money will come back to you. It might, but it's saying that a life spent pursuing God and serving others is far richer, far more satisfying, and a wonderful, good life than one pursuing the things we cannot keep. 
The things you see now will not go into eternity. They will not. They they have no eternal value. They're great. I love that I can use an iPad, but I can't take it to heaven with me. Our things will not last. This world would not last. God will say, okay, that's it. Not other people. God, he will say, time's up. And because of that, then we, we, it's, it's freeing. I read, read this great book about, you know, letting go of your things. And I found it really, really freeing. Because then I'm free to do other things. 1 Peter 2.16 says this, Live as people who are free, not using freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. See, I'm free to be God's servant. I'm free to serve others. Paul said, I have made myself a servant to all that I might might win more of them, 1 Corinthians 9.19. We're free to bring hope to those who have no hope. We're free to offer ourselves to God. Paul wrote in Romans, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We are free to worship God. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. But we have to remember that it's a free choice. God's not going to make you do anything. But I know that the word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I, I, when I was doing this preparation, was looking at Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Where Elijah had this contest with the prophets of Baal. And the prophets of Baal went all out. They were committed. They blood everywhere and they were crying to their gods and their, pro- and their gods of Baal and nothing. Not a thing. No voice. And there we had Elijah, who was answered by God. And why do I think that? Because we are free to worship a living God. We don't worship a dead God. We worship a living God. And because we worship a living God, then we are free to draw near to God. Before Christ, we had absolutely no business approaching God's Throne of grace. In fact, it was impossible. We look at the Old Testament, the Israelites had to go to great lengths and they still couldn't 
enter into the holies of holies. They had to do it via a priest. But because of the cross, we have freedom to approach God without shame. Access is now possible. Hebrews 10, 19-22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. As believers, we were given the highest privilege and honour in worshipping and drawing near to God because of what Jesus did. There is so much more, so much more I could share with you this morning. But I just want to say the keys to freedom and the good life are faith, hope and love. And when we make these things a priority, we are free. We are free to live a good life according to God's word. Let's pray. God, I praise you for the freedom that you have given to us in Christ. It is through your strength and power that we are free to forgive, that we are free to give hope to others. Help us to continue to choose a life fueled by faith, hope and love, knowing that we are your children. Help us to always remember, Lord, that your mission is our mission. And show us what part that you want us to do today. Help us to guide others to a life that is free indeed. Amen.